We've been in the series Relationship Goals, talking about how uh, God is, He cares about us having flourishing relationships. And we've been diving into the Bible, unpacking, unpacking some practical wisdom on how to have flourishing relationships. We've talked about marriage, we've talked about friendships, and yes, in fact, we've talked about sex, because the Bible has some stuff to say. And uh, our Emerge speakers this evening aren't going to be talking about sex, but they are going to be talking about uh, relationship goals. And our first speaker this evening, are you ready? Is Mr. Emerson Price. Now, now, now before he speaks, I've got I to gotta, I gotta honor him a little bit, because Emerson is an amazing uh, member of our worship team, but also our youth team. Emerson is diligent, faithful, hardworking, and everything he puts his hand to, including the word that he's prepared for you tonight. And I know it's going to bless you. So one more time, would you just put your hands together for Emerson? Uh, thank you, guys. Awesome. Thank you, Ben. You guys can go. How good is our youth band? They did amazing tonight. I just want to honor Isaac and Joel right now. They're my youth pastors and how they've come into this year into youth, bringing that up, bringing up young people as well is just amazing. And how much they've impacted my life is amazing and I look up to you guys. So thank you for all you do. So as you know, my name is Emerson. I'm a youth leader. I play drums on band as you guys have seen. So for my 13th birthday party, I'd like an army theme party. And I got my brother who's in the army to come and like do drills with us, which was really good. And um, the first day we got there, set up our tent, had like cake and made dinner and whatever. And then the next morning, my brother just starts coming in yelling at the tent like they do in the army, not expecting it. He's like, you guys have to get this tent cleaned, make your bed, get dressed in, within three minutes. And like that was our time. So we did in seven minutes. So, yeah. So every time we had to do like burpees or sit-ups or push-ups, it was seven. So that was our punishment. So the day was going good. We were like, for breakfast, we had army rations. So it went from like good bacon and eggs to army rations, which weren't great at all. And that was like the whole day for breakfast, morning tea and lunch. We just had army rations. And then we like did drills and whatever and we got all our like phones and iPads taken off us and so many of my friends couldn't cope with it as well and like <laughs> literally they were like freaking out they're like where's my phone where is it I need it right now and they couldn't handle uh, like honoring my brother as well like him directing us and everything they couldn't some of them couldn't handle that and that actually made me realize that if they can't handle that how they're gonna honor me and how they're gonna like help me with my life and like bring me through my journeys as well. So Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 to 10 says, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. So what I got out of that is we're not meant to do life alone. We, we all need friends beside us to help us through life and to guide us through it. Even from the beginning when God made Adam, he um, realized that he needed a friend. He needed someone to be there for him. So, bada bap, well, God made Eve. <laughs> and, then, and then, like Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, we need somebody by our side to pull us up when we fall. But the trick is to find the right friend to do that with. I've had friendships where I've helped the friend out, but they've never helped me out. And then, hold up, where am I? Cool. And then every time I asked for help, they'd be like, nah, bro, you're on your own. Or if they tried to help me, 
it would be out of like a burden on them. It wouldn't be out of willingness or compassion for me. And then, and it became a really toxic friendship. So sometimes that means we need to stop hanging out with them as much, like slowly back away from them. Not like just fully stop hanging out with them, probably catch up with them like once a month, but like eventually just stop. And then sometimes that even means unfollowing them on Instagram or like social media. And then there might be even some people that you need to like just block. Like I've had to do it multiple times and it's been really hard for me. But like in the end, it was totally worth it. And then and we shouldn't have friendships where it's like we're just giving everything and the other friend is just taking all the time. It needs to be a two-way thing because it will make us look like that's what our relationship with God will be. We'll just be giving and God will just be taking the whole time, which isn't what it should be. Instead, we need friends that will stick with us through thick and thin that will, are always there for us and we're always there for them. So we all, most of us know the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Bendigo, right? Well, I'm going to explain it anyway. So, so this king, Nebuchadnezzar, he made the statue of gold. And he's like, every nation, every tongue needs to bow down to this when, like, instruments are played. And, like, so instruments played, everyone bowed down except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the Jews. And the king got very furious about this. And so he pulled him up and he's like, why, you guys didn't bow down, you I'll blow, I'll play the music again, and if you don't bow down, I'll send you into this furnace to kill you off pretty much. So, um, so and then they're like, we're never going to bow down to your idol. We're only going to worship our one true God. And the king got so furious and angry with this that he heated up the furnace seven times hotter than it usually is. And, and he tied them up together, and the guards that chucked them into the furnace, they actually died from how hot it was. And the ropes got burnt, but nothing else on them was burnt. And they, um, there was a fourth person in there with them, which was Jesus. And, and then they come out, and the king was so... They had so much respect and honour for them in that moment that he actually decided to worship God as well. So then... And so Proverbs 17, verse 17 says, A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born in, to help in the time of need. So just like the friends sticking together through that moment and what the scripture says is what our friendships should look like with one another. Um, The the loyalty between a friend is the most powerful thing that can happen. So what it means is no matter what we're going through, we always have friends beside us to help us through it. Whenever we're struggling, they'll struggle with us and back and forth as well. So when when they're struggling, we'll struggle with them. And it... um, so that to me is what a true friendship is, what a good friendship is. These types of friends will help you grow with your relationship with God and they will always be by your side. Some things to take away from this is one, don't do life alone. Find a good friend to be with you with every step of the way because the worst thing you can do is be alone in your whole life. And then two, if you have friends that aren't the best influence or they don't do the great, the best stuff, just like stop hanging out with them, unfollow them if you have to, and even block them as well. And then three, have friends that will stick by your side no matter what happens. Friends that encourage you and will comfort you, and friends you can always rely on no matter what happens. 
So I hope this helps you tonight, and that's all from me, guys. Wow. Come on. What an awesome word. Finding the right friend to help you up when you fall. Finding a loyal friend and being a loyal friend. That's what I got from that. Awesome. You know what, you know what I love about Emerson's message is that uh, he's actually very much lived that out. I know that uh, he's got some really awesome mates that are doing that journey with him and that he is a very model example of what it is to be a loyal friend. And hey, if you're actually, if you're in the room tonight and you're, and you're in a position where you're actually looking for said loyal friend or wanting someone to be a loyal friend towards, can I say you're in the right place? Um, we have connect groups that meet fortnightly. Um, and there's always a connect group for you, regardless of where you live, what your age demographic is. There's an opportunity to encounter that community and those friendships. But one more time, can we give it up for Emerson and his word? <laughs> and now we, uh, we get to hear from our second speaker this evening, Miss Kirst- or Mrs. Kirsty Johnson-Wise, rather. Kirsty, Kirsty is an amazing friend of Joelle and I. And uh, she is so consistent. She is, so- she is like a super resilient woman. She's a, she's a young adult with two kids and has just, regardless of what has come her way, just maintained her faith, stayed the course, and is always available for others. And I know she's really going to bless you. So would you just welcome her as she shares the word? Thank you, Isaac. Um, I'd just firstly like to honour Pastor Josh and Shekinah Stott for always seeing the potential in me and for coaching me to be the best version of myself and helping me grow in my walk with God. I'm extremely grateful for your leadership and everything that you do for me, so thank you. So I've been really loving this Relationship Goal series. God has been highlighting a lot of things to me, especially while I've been preparing for Emerge tonight. I want to share with you some revelations that God has given me around godly friendships and how they help us grow closer to Him. There are both godly friendships and ungodly friendships in our lives. It is vital that we identify them in our circles. Godly friendships are what God uses to build each other up towards our calling and ungodly ones take us further away. I'm sure you've all heard of the movie Mean Girls. Well, believe it or not, I used to be your classic Regina George, the meanest of the Mean Girls. With the exception of Regina's favorite um, famous line, on Wednesdays we wear pink, I'm more of a black is the new pink kind of girl. I was your classic example of the ungodly friend that would tear you down and gossip hardcore behind your back. I used to think that it was cool to pick on people's insecurities to make myself feel better. It wasn't until I met Jesus and started to surround myself with other believers who built me up and encouraged me to be a better version of myself that I realized I needed to let God do a work in my heart and highlight the friendships that I had that weren't good for me that I needed to let go of. God wants to bless you with a community of godly friendships. There are three main qualities that I have noticed in my inner circle of friends that have helped me grow closer and have healthy friendships. The first quality is they are encouraging and want the best for you. In 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. So we can do this by surrounding ourselves with people who will be there for us in the good times and in the hard times. It is so important that we can celebrate with our friends in their wins, but also be there to support them in the tough times. One person that comes to mind when I think of this quality is Marina Crowder. Her words of encouragement have impacted me and the way I see myself, especially when Marina keeps encouraging me as a young mum. 
Marina is definitely a true godly friend. The second quality is a friendship that can call out your blind spots. The scripture, Proverbs 19 verse 20 says, Take good counsel and accept correction. That's the way to live wisely and well. Godly friends are there to love us at our best and worst, but call out our blind spots when we don't always see. We all want to do our best and be our best, but at times we can lose our way in this. A good friend who loves you and who you have come to trust will do this in private without lots of people around to avoid embarrassment. It is so healthy to have a friend that can call out your blind spots. An example of this in my life is Joelle Childs. She calls me out in love a lot. (laughs) And this is something that I truly value in our friendship. On the days that I'm so caught up in my emotions about a situation, mainly about Jake, (laughs) I know that if I give Joelle a call, she will, in a very loving way, point out my blind spot regarding the issue. and give me advice that is aligned with God's word and his grace. The third quality is unconditional love. The scripture, John 13, verse 34, which is actually our monthly memory verse, says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Just like Jesus loves us unconditionally, we are called to love on our friends the same. Being a part of C3 Powerhouse has been such an amazing example of this for me personally. From the moment I walked through the doors, I could feel the love of God radiating from all the friendly faces, the hugs and the conversations. I needed this kind of love to be able to love others. God has called us to build relationships that represent his love and genuine care for his people. Now, if you're sitting here and wondering how do I find these types of friends, well... As Isaac said before, we have these amazing things called connect groups here at C3 Powerhouse. These are small groups where we get to hang out in a safe and friendly environment. We get to talk about our weeks, wings, challenges, and dive deep into the Word of God. If it wasn't for these connect groups, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to make the amazing connections that have become the deepest friendships I have today. If you aren't in a group, I 100% recommend joining a group. So Jake and I, we run one on a Thursday night, fortnightly, (laughs) and it's coming up this week. So if you'd like to know more and come to our group or just talk to me after the service, I can help you find the right group for you. If I was to have one main point of encouragement tonight in finally godly friends, it would be to just keep showing up and letting God put the right people in your life that will build you up and lead lead you towards him and all that he has called you to. I'm just going to close in prayer now. Dear God, I just thank you for each person here tonight. I pray that you are speaking to their hearts and showing them ways that they can create strong, godly friendships. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Put it together for Kirsty. Such an, uh, such an articulate message about discerning the difference between godly and ungodly friends. And... Uh, Jake and I uh, have, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's just say, well, I'm, I'm very thankful for Jake because I know that the situation goes both ways for, for Joel and, and Kirsty, even though, Kirsty, that really was such a, an anointed message and a very practical and helpful one. So let's put it together for Kirsty one more time. <laughs> and, uh, and last but not least this evening, I get the privilege of inviting up Sam Burns. Stay there a second so I can actually honor you for a second, dude. <laughs> Sam is, uh, is a very, very dear friend of mine. He was the uh, best man at my wedding, 
Um, but this, this, this dude right here is uh, such a faithful follower of Jesus. He vigorously, vigorously chases after the leading of the Holy Spirit. Um, he's a very driven man. He's on fire for God. He just got, I know that he's just going to bring gold this evening. So would you stand to your feet and just uh, make, him, make him feel welcome as he comes? <laughs> standing, just because I love you that much, dude. I was meant to do that for everyone else, but yeah. anyway. Take it away, Bernsey. That's Bernsie. a joint standing for everyone. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Isaac. We love you. So despite popular belief, I'm not talking about sex. Um, I don't know. I won't go there. That's fine. Uh, I do want to honour Pastor John and Dan, though, which is, um, which is absolutely amazing. And I think we enjoy very amazing senior pastors and leaders and just the way that they provide an amazing spiritual example for us in so many different areas, in marriage and finances and family and leading a movement together. So I just want to honour our senior pastors, Pastor John and Danielle. Thank you. You guys are amazing. So when I was in primary school, I um, was going to an athletics event, and I'm sure you guys did too. I was probably in grade two or three, and my, I had an older brother who was about three years older. And I remember this particular athletics event was um, a little bit harder for me, because the 100-meter sprint event came, and my brother, of course, got called up to start the race. Now, my brother is awesome. He's an amazing, driven man. He's very academic. He's doing his PhD in astrophysics. So he's very intelligent, but athletics is not his strong suit. And so he got to this 100-meter relay, and he was lining up, and he started, and the shot went, and he started to go. But then it became very apparent that uh, he wasn't going well. And so the other guys started racing off in front of him. He started to lag behind. And then as, as I was standing there on the sideline watching about halfway, some of my friends started having a go at me. Making little insults around my brother's athletic ability, how slow he was, how embarrassing that must be. And as a little grade two to three year old, by the end of the race, I was in tears as these guys just kept hammering me because this really sat to an underlying point of what my brother was going through for probably the last few years. That bullying, that strong feeling of being different, of being out of the click, out of touch, feeling like there's something that you're not quite getting. And that's the kind of people that I want to talk to tonight, how we as a church can include those people. Because I imagine that we would have all felt that similar feeling, whether you're in a workplace for the first time, at a school, at a youth group, or in church, you have that sense that I'm different, I'm missing out, there's this group here that I'm not connecting with, how come there's no one talking to me? All these thoughts start to come through. I imagine we've all felt this before, and this is the kind of feeling that these people feel consistently. And so tonight, I want to talk to you, how can we include these people? How can we bring them in? And the Bible calls these people, the common theme is the least of these. And it talks to people who are poor, who are widowed, who are divorced, the tax collectors of the day. 
the, the prostitutes, the people who had something in their life that segregated them from society. Nowadays, it might just be that we don't fit in, that the person doesn't fit in, that maybe they are awkward, that they're hard to talk to, that they uh, aren't the f- first choice of being invited, or maybe they have a diagnosis, a stigma, a label that's on them which makes it difficult for us to connect with them. And it's these people that God's heart is actually after the most. In 1 John 4.19, it says, We love because he first loved us. Even though we don't deserve his love, he still loves us. Even though we make mistakes, even though we get distracted by other priorities, other loves, we fail, we sin, we cannot possibly provide the type of love that he gives to us yet he still loves us. And this is the essence of the Christ-like love. And we see it all throughout the Gospels. In Matthew 8, Jesus heals a man with leprosy who would have been socially isolated, hurting, and avoided. In Mark 5, Jesus shows compassion, touches and heals a woman with the issue of blood who would have been considered untouchable by the culture of the day. In John 4, Jesus shows love to a Samaritan woman, someone who is not supposed to interact with, he wasn't supposed to interact with, and was an outcast even in her own village. In Matthew 9, Jesus loves and includes a tax collector. The low life of the Jewish community invites them around for dinner and their friends, supports them, and it ends up to be that this tax collector writes the gospel and is included in the, in the 12 disciples. In Luke 23, while dying on a cross, Jesus comforts, forgives, and loves a criminal deserving of the death penalty. If Jesus loves this way, then this love provides an example of how we can love others. This love is not hinged on the receiver, but the giver. It is not conditional, doesn't show favoritism, doesn't expect anything in return, but would do anything to show that person that they are valued and loved deeply. So the question is, if Jesus loves this way, do we? Do we talk to those who aren't usually our safe options? Do we include those who find it hard to fit in? Do we show love to those who maybe haven't felt it in a very long time? Why do we expect Jesus to love us in all of our imperfections when we can't even love those who we find it difficult to talk to? What would happen if God started playing favorites with those he found easy to talk to, just like we do? I imagine that all of us who struggle with prayer would be a rough journey. So if God doesn't play favorites and in fact leans into those who society tends to leave out, we should too. So tonight I encourage you, let's increase our love to the loved ones, the ones that God's heart is for, remember, uh, removing any labels, Introducing ourselves, talking with them, including always. This is the heart of Jesus, where everyone receives love simply because they're human. We love because he first loved us.